Welcome to Span Reads, not your typical rereads podcast, a 17 shard series where we reread the Cosmere and are giant nerds about it. Today, we will be talking about characters and relationships in The Hero of Ages. Joining me is Mish. Hi, also known as First Rainbow Rose. Also joining me is Ian. Hey, I'm Mui Redder. And Matt. Comatose on the forums. Next, we've got Rosemary. Hi, I'm Kimith. And lastly, we have Katie. Ian on the forums. And I am Jesse, or Lady Lameness on the forums in Discord. This episode is going to have spoilers for all of Era 1 of Mistborn, so The Final Empire, Well of Ascension, and Hero of Ages, but it won't have spoilers for anything else in the Cosmere. Okay, where are we starting, guys? I mean, we have to start with Ellen and Vin. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. I, I feel and like we that's all, correct. Oh, the gush. The gush of the... Honestly, I think that it may be the sweetest thing that Brandon has ever written is that scene in the ball where Ellen goes, oh, I've got an idea. And then he shows up and he's reading a book and he and yes, it's Ellen's character to be a tease like that. But it's also sweet that he remembered well enough to know the exact book that he was reading at the time. And just the dedication is then- so so flustered she is i should be mad but damn it (laughs) yeah it's like that's so romantic and uh i'm going to make my wife want to kill me sort of way (laughs) i was like (laughs) which to be fair based on most of the relationships i know that level of teasing is realistic for most like that's something that Josh would do to me without even batting an eye. And then he, we would have to stop dancing if it were me and him because he'd be dying on the floor laughing because it's just so real of a moment that I love it. Like there just there are so many good like like the scene where like she shows up in her dress and like Ellen is like what like you did not get this from like <laughs> Uh, like oh. a maid in the camp and been just like just we so- misborn need not make sense we are mysterious <laughs> creatures <laughs> he's like i'm a misborn too <laughs> what'd you say katie she stole that line from kelsier mm-hmm. she did yeah. mm-hmm. i mean uh, who doesn't want to shamelessly steal lines from kelsier he's very quotable but yeah. and i just love how utterly flabbergasted he is at first because the first moment is he's just bowled over by how gorgeous she looks and he's like I which you know how do words also super realistic and, and like then even like the, the black and white you know like mm, like mm. it's and like at the scene like when he like comes to get her for the death um for for the dance and she sees like all of the other like women swooning over him and she's like i loved him before he was dreamy <laughs> i was like oh like you're adorable then and like i just i love this relationship this is my cosmere otp unless a new a stormlight relationship takes over but that's spoilers i'm not gonna mention that but like they're just so good uh, I- I love that this harkened back to the Final Empire Eland as well, because mm-hmm. I like Eland as a character, but I liked him a lot more in the first book than the subsequent books. And this scene really harkened back to the type of person he was before he had to become a king. And I really mm-hmm. like that. Like That drew me back into him as a character when I first read these books. And 
it's the scene that I look forward to now when I do reread them and know that we're going to get the scene and it's going to be so cute. Yeah, and it like, makes me sad that he didn't get the chance to be cute like that more before everything went went to pieces. Yeah. It's like this scene is one of the scenes that will make or break a film adaptation for me. Like if they don't get this scene right, it's just like it's going to hurt. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned like more of like that final empire Ellen being brought back cuz both Ellen and Vin like come to like realizations about like the duality of themselves like Vin with like oh I can be the misborn of the streets and the noble lady at the ball Ellen is like I can be Ellen the man and Ellen the king and it's like playing with that duality like um like Sazed also sort of deals with this which gets into him becoming harmony at the end it's a li- nice like light motif of mm-hmm. a theme running well and the you book. you get a little bit of the even outside of uh vin and ellen you get a little bit of that with him and uh yeoman and when he's mm-hmm. like he gets to be he and comments that he he kind of falls back on his old sassy self but he does he gets to be nerdy and he gets to be sassy and you get to kind of see a little bit of that person that he was that we all fell in love with. And you also kind of see it bite him in the butt there because that's not the right way to talk to Yeoman and have him take you seriously. And he falls, he he, he gets, I think he just gets nervous and he falls back on these old habits. And he's like, oh crap, I just totally shoved my foot in it and i'm like yeah you did ellen that this this could have gone better i don't know how much better it could have gone but it there's definitely a range in there and you 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 kind of went so true to his character it's the kind of mistake he would make i really i really love the bantering that elend and yeoman do back and forth and the Mm -hmm. talking about philosophy and how when one of them will quote it the other one recognizes it and goes Really? You're gonna try and... <laughs> You're gonna quote that person at me, or, hey, you could at least quote this person at me. Well, if you think that, then you must have read this other thing that they said, which says such and such. It's just, it's great. It's such... It's it such reminds me of, of the sword fight in The Princess Bride, where they're, where they're bantering back and forth about the different sword fighting styles they're using. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's got that same vibe to it. They could have been such good friends if mm-hmm. situ- if the situation had been different. Yep. Yeah, it's like going back to that sense of bittersweet melancholy. Like, not only like Arvin and Ellen dead, and that's sad because they presumably like they're together in the afterlife. Whatever that means in the Cosmere, we don't know. Uh, but like, they couldn't be there for everyone else. Like, because like I would have loved to see Yeoman and Ellen become friends going forward. Because like. Ellen like was starting to like give Ellen like some lessons in leadership. It's like the, the like the hard lessons he learned, like he was passing on. It's like I, I wish we could have gotten more of that, but it just wasn't meant to be. This is slightly backtracking because I was looking it up, but mm-hmm. I something rang a bell for me. Do you know the last time Vin wore a black dress in the books is? Is it could... the last ball? It's the ball where Elend gives her the handkerchief. Oh. 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 <laughs> like, 
Come on, Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> the things you can do when you write them all together. Yeah. Brandon doesn't stab us in the heart. He just, like, sticks pins in like it. Little, it's like acupuncture. He gives us, like, emotional <laughs> acupuncture. <laughs> if we all are in agreement that Alens and Vin's relationship with each other is great, do we also want to talk a little about them on their own? Well, we talked a little bit about Ellen on his own, but Vin on her own, and this book is so good. It has all the good characters and all of the good reveals, and everybody comes into their own. They, they definitely do have to stand on their own a lot, because they're separated a lot in this yeah. book. I remember it wasn't this reread, but the previous one, where I had actually been kind of anxious when Vin was trapped down in the caves, because I couldn't remember whether she and Ellen were in the same place at the same time again before she ascended and they did get to, they got those few moments together and it wasn't much but it was enough for me to say okay like they they did get to see each other one last time before she goes off and does, does the crazy thing they get to say goodbye to yeah. each other but attending the ball i think is their last as themselves like as mm -hmm. Vin and they lend like from that point on they're like being the heroes yeah, because like in a um, lot of ways, Ellen like has the great line. It's like there has to be a balance, Finn. Somehow we'll find it—the balance between who we wish to be and who we need to be. But for now, we simply have to be satisfied with who we are. Such a good Brandon. Quote. <sighs> He's so, so good. good. I do love Vin. How especially I think one of the issues people have with Well of Ascension sometimes is how some of Vin's it, it, internal conflicts can make it feel very that I think that can lead to some of the feeling of dragging because she is doubting herself so much and is so back and forth right um, and so it's so satisfying how confident she is in this book yeah like she really owns and is like very even when she's having her doubts about like what ruins plan is or can she do this she's really there's been a real level up in terms of her comfort in her own skin in this book mm -hmm. and it is pretty consistent throughout she's kind of allowed to be who she always had the potential to be since book one and it's mm -hmm. it's really cool she's done the emotional work to, mm -hmm. Well, Brandon's done the emotional work with Vin to be able to take her from being an internal conflict issue to giving her the external conflict and that being the primary issue for her and her not having to work through the internal things anymore. Like, Brandon did all of that background work to get mm -hmm. her into this place. And on the ball scene, in the last episode, we were talking about all the callbacks in this book. She owns a confrontation with a cousin of Shani Lariel. And so that's hearkening back to her first when she sees Shan and Shan is perfect. And she's like, oh, your hair looks like you have a disease and you don't fill out your dress and playing on Vin's all, all of her insecurities. Right. And then she walks up and she can't walk up to Sh like if Shan had survived she would have been at that ball absolutely like there's no no question um but having shan's cousin there and vin going up and being like i'm confident i'm hot stuff and i could kill you all if i wanted to was just like 
So she over delivers on her intent. She really just wanted to kind of shake things up. And yeah. instead she winds up with this little flock that yeah. attaches to her. And she's like, oh, well, okay. I guess that worked. Yeah. Which kind of parallels with like Ellen also deals with a blast from the past and that scene with Telden, like, who was one of his good friends. And just yeah. seeing like how they've grown in very different directions. Ellen like isn't the same man that like Telden knew like at, on his way out. It's like, I wonder if Telden knows about Chase. Like, because mm-hmm. like, Mm-hmm. Ellen killed him like another of their friends. And it's just like, ah. I, I was going to say, I really like what Brandon did with the, with Ellen's crew, like those key members. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, like, because Jace kind of goes down a, a darker path and Elend has his hero level up. And then Telden is kind of the one who stayed the same, right? Or tried to mm-hmm. stay the same. And so it's, yeah, comparing the three of them where they all end up is really cool. Mm-hmm. And a lens moment that I think is kind of underrated and not talked about much in the fandom is this scene in well, basically the entirety of chapter 51, where Elend goes off. He's been following the troop movements of the Coloss. He goes mm-hmm. off and saves a village from them. It's a lot of fighting, and he's just fighting a lot. And he's thinking about while he's doing it, like, I can't protect people. This village is basically already lost even though i'm doing this and it's it's also the scene where there's kind of a lore moment of like this is really weird why can't i take control of these oh and now suddenly i can take control of them did the inquisitor leave was there an inquisitor this is weird there's that but what i found more interesting in that scene is kind of the character moments and where he's just he's thinking and he's just like i can't He's kind of moving towards that moment of despair and the ash that he has a scene or two later. Mm-hmm. And at the end, someone asks, like, oh, you're the Lord Ruler. And he says, um, close enough. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's underrated to me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a cool moment. It is. Because it, it is such, like, Ellen and Roshek kind of, like, approach each other from alternate um, opposite direction. Roshek wasn't that great of a dude to begin with, like, but like he had like this noble cause he was trying to do. And Ellen was a fundamentally good person, but like he needed to be willing to do like the harsh thing. So it's like, yeah, they come together to a similar point in their mm-hmm. personalities from very different backgrounds, mm-hmm. but. No, it is a good scene because it also kind of, he says it kind of in self-hate, but at the same time, it's like. Yeah, because there's there, there's a point earlier in the book where he's he tells Vin that he's afraid of turning into the Lord mm-hmm. Ruler. And then he gets to that point, he's like, eh, close enough. It, and you that kind of foreshadows his almost his giving up that moment yeah. where he actually gives up later. He's just like, what's the point? It, it, you can see that that. He's just so emotionally drained that he just doesn't have the energy to argue the point anymore. That scene is only like the scene after when he's bringing the Coloss back to camp. Like, that's the moment when he falls to his knees and preservation has to show up and help him. Mm -hmm. But I think 
it was it was kind of just he he was he could have fallen to his knees in the village and it would have been the same because mm. that's where he was thinking like oh this mm. is kind of lost it yeah like i think it's like having it be that scene later it's enough time for the adrenaline of battle to wear off and like mm. his realization that like of what he admitted to fully sink in is what like breaks him in that moment yeah. on the flip side the other relationship of the book that i remembered being very different when i was younger is spook and what's her Eldra. Eldra. Mm-hmm. and brandon just does not write early romances in this no. series no. like and, and he he's oh he he continues to have trouble with that i mean he's getting better but but you know by the end it's like beldra's apparent beldra and spook are supposed to be you know you're like you get to the end of the book and it's like um honey awkward you have no idea about each other what do you mean you're in love with each other i i think it makes sense like young people that they they think they're in love like Hopefully they put in a lot of work later on, but we can't even use the teenager excuse because Spook says at one point that he's like 20 something in this book. I think he's like 20. So Vin is 21. I don't think he's any older than she is. I thought they were the same age. No, he's a cup. He's a year or two younger than Vin. Yeah. Okay. Um, It almost kind of goes is I know like there's. There have been some wobs that indicate that maybe Spook has had multiple relationships over the course of his life, and maybe that they flamed out early on, and because uh, they didn't really know each other as well as they thought they did. So, like, I actually like, like, this is one of the few things I like about Spook's <laughs> whole arc. Because, like, one thing that did surprise me in rereading this time was just how bored I was with Spook's entire arc up until the spook up up until the part where Beldra shows up at the Canton building. And like they start actually having conversations. I'm like, cause like he beats himself up. It's like, oh like why am I like talking down about myself? Like why why am I like talk like I I worked so hard about stopping speaking eastern street slang and now i speak in front of her and she thinks it's cool it's like yeah like oh yeah it's it's nonsense but like that's the point it's like (laughs) that i really liked that's true i mean i i have found on rereads that spook sections are more interesting because i know more of what about what's going on because i remember the first read through i had no idea i didn't understand the spiking i didn't really know what was going on or why spook was seeing kelsier and going back in the rereads picking out those bits it, it it's more interesting and i understand more about what's going on in yeah, it was like complete opposite because yeah. because i knew what was going on I'm like i don't care like let's just get to the good part <laughs> I know, but didn't have that with any other part of the book. Every other part, I'm like, yes, I'm excited to see that again. I, I, for me, I think there was a clear divide between like Vin, Elend, and Tensoon. I was like always excited to read, mm-hmm. and Zed and Spook were a little less fun for me. Like this is one of my favorite books of all time, so I enjoyed all of those viewpoints, but there definitely is a clear, like, 
I was always excited to get to the next Vin Lender Tensoon chapter. Oh, and mm-hmm. of course, Marsh. He doesn't show up that much, but like mm-hmm. when he does, it's always. <laughs> I see. That's funny that you had that opinion, Ian, overall about how you didn't like most of Spook's arc or scenes, but you did like his relationship with the Belgery because for me, it was the exact opposite. <laughs> I liked I liked his bits, and then the relationship showed up, and I'm just like. Is this girl even a character? Yeah. <laughs> looking at it. I mean, no, no, I I don't. Sure, she's plot device. Him, she's there to she's there to be a minor plot device and to give him a girlfriend, and that's it. And I don't like it. Mm. Literally, I look for character moments in her, and there's like one maybe where she's like, mm-hmm. "I believed in the Lord Ruler, and then the Obligators betrayed me," and it's like. Okay, well, like, because she was half scorned, so they, like, took her in. And it's like, okay, maybe you could expand on that. That's not super compelling to me right now. I don't know, like, their their conversations were okay, but I just wasn't there for them. Yeah, it's like, and it's not like Spook and Velja's, like, relationship is one of my favorite parts. It's just like... It's in comparison to everything else about Spook. I'm like, I'm fine with this. Like, it wouldn't be my favorite thing. Like, nothing to write home about. It's just less objectionable than everything else. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Spook's parts, though, are important because he... Yes. Um, he, th- there are certain details that he learns. I mean, he, he he's the reason why Marsh knew to rip out Vin's earring. Yeah. yeah. No, you can't cut them out. And they give nice, like... That is where you get the crew feel this book for the most part, right? Because Vin and Elend are kind of off doing their own thing. And so that's where you get like Sazed, Bree, like that. that's where the crew comes in, mm-hmm. is in Spook's arc, which is appropriate, I think, because then Spook starts as this kind of outlier in the crew in some ways, like the, mm-hmm. the junior guy, and then he's stepping into Kelsier's shoes a little bit. So So that... That is is kind of cool. Yeah, and it's like, I I think my issue is one hundred percent Sazed making him a misborn at the end because like oh. I feel it it ruins what? like Spook's yeah. entire arc. Yeah. Well, and even yeah, no, like the misborn thing. I'm just like, why? Like, yeah. especially when it was like Elsier said so. Because Kelsier well, was always very fond of Spook and said, "Hey, do this thing." Genes? gonna keep those well, in the population now that yeah, we've got like a hundred people left you've got to have there's some stuff. hundreds of thousands still alive and i mean i, I think he, he probably made him the bare minimum amount of mistborn they could possibly be and still be mistborn so that they did not get more or something i don't know didn't he make him a was it an alent level mistborn? no he was he reduced normal. strength Right, like, reduced, he, he right. Normal. For me, like, Spook's entire arc was about how he didn't need extra medals. Like, he didn't need the pewter to be the hero. So it's just like, you don't, like, like it was just, like, not necessary. It's like, he survived the apocalypse. The girl he likes is open to being wooed by him. Like, really, did he have to be misborn too? No. 
And the other thing, it's like even his arc with the tin, he becomes a savant because he's like, I need to be useful. I need to like be as good with tin as humanly possible. But then the twist is he it's actually his weakness caused by the savantism when he stops burning tin that's able to give him one of his big hero moments, right? So I, I totally agree. It, it's kind of a a tossed in like 360, like, oh, and by the way, you're misborn. Happy you. I, don't know. I, I feel like, though, that this is just one of those Kelsier's bad ideas thrown in at the end. Just enough to make the readers go, wait, Kelsier said what? Ain't he dead? Yeah. yeah. I really wish that that had just been slipped in somewhere else. That moment, like, there were other places you could have slipped in a wait, Kelsier. There See, were. And I've always loved Spook becoming a Mistborn because it's like he struggles and he tries and in the end he gets what he wants and we don't get to see it, but he has worked hard enough that it will be something that he values. He'll truly appreciate now being a Mistborn because he has struggled so hard with not being a Mistborn. And he, when he finally accepts himself for what he is, he gets what he wants and... You know, it's a common enough trope to see that happen. I don't know. I think I like yeah. him being like, a Mistborn. Like, for me, it just re reads like he whines about not being a Mistborn for three books. And then, like, they just make him a Mistborn. And it's just like, why? Like, we just established he doesn't need to be Mistborn. Like, another piece of the puzzle is mm -hmm. that someone is like him getting changed into a Mistborn marks him as a potential leader, which is how he ascends to... Yeah. being the lord but, like, the, but like, yeah but i well also is like the fact that sasa does it without asking spook first he's like that's sketchy like i, I hope don't, you don't that. mind i'm altering but, your like, spiritual um, dna yeah because like it would have been such a good character moment for spook to say like for sasa to offer like hey i can make you a, a mistborn in for like spook to turn it down it's like no like i don't need to be a misborn to be a hero and it's just like a missed opportunity and we get that ha 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 missed the other thing i'm just thinking of this now i'm not sure if i would have actually have liked it at the time but just like thinking of parallels if instead of just making spook misborn like out of nowhere they had made like the surviving members of the crew Mistborn as a group. It would kind of mm -hmm. echo back to like Rayshek's first Mistborn. And as we're kind of like starting over, cause the crew are like, you know, like the ones who made it out of the ashes. So, so to that's, speak. that's so. basically spook ham and breeze. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I so mean, all might be three. in there too. Yeah. Like, yeah, does she count as part of the crew? Okay, speaking of Alrian, this book, one of my favorite Alrian moments is in her toe when they're like doing, like they're witnessing the their executions, right? And she's like, this is bad. This is bad. I don't like this. And she's like, let me, let me stop this. Let me stop this. Let me stop this. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then they let her off like the leash and she just like slams out her riding and it's so good. Yeah. yeah. And Ariane is an interesting piece. So I have seen, and I don't know, because I wasn't on the, the Well of Ascension 
one. I don't know if she got discussed on that one. And uh, I've seen some stuff online about the age gap and being concerned about her age. And something I did note down when I was listening to this is she is described very specifically in Hero of Ages as being 20 something and looks younger than she is, Mm -hmm. which ages her up a little bit more than a lot of people think, because I think a lot of folks think she's only 18 in um in well of ascension and i think she's older than that because vin is 21 in this book and all around being described as 20 something would indicate to me that she's a little older than that at least uh because 20 something to me is mid-20s uh so i think that in well of ascension she had to be at least 20. so and, and and that's one of the things about Alrion is I think she plays into the youthful looks and I think she makes herself look younger than she is just by her mannerisms and mm-hmm. and her mode of dress because being underestimated is part of her arsenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no that. one would expect the puffball to be a powerful rioter. And, and you see that in Well of Ascension too in the scene with mm-hmm. Vin where she like drops the veil a bit sometimes and all of a sudden she is like mature more mature than she seems and she has this like self-confidence and self-assurance that you're like yeah like she she's older she gets than- described as being about vin's age but then you it's pointed out in hero of ages that she's older than she looks so i think she was actually already in her 20s so that yeah. that makes it a little her, her thing with her and breeze a little less sketchy at least Mm-hmm. It puts her solidly into adulthood. She's just playing up her. And, and the other thing with looks, I think we talked about this a little bit, but the other thing with Alrian and Brie, like I don't love their relationship to be honest, but the, the other thing about them is like age is just a number, right? Uh, I find in the more the issue with, age gaps in relationships in fiction is more about power dynamics than anything else. And Alrion is so in the driver's seat throughout their entire relationship that yeah. it doesn't come across as like Ooh, creepy pedophile to me, right? Man. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's the issue that I've seen a lot of people talking about. Well, she was a teenager and I don't think she actually was. I think she just looked and acted like one so that people would underestimate her. And and it's a little bit better lampshaded in Hero of Ages. It's the fact that she's older than she looks. Like I can't remember if it's in Hero. Like, I, Does she get a viewpoint in Hero of Ages? Yeah. Or am I just... I think okay. so, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, because um, like... In, wait, in Hero of Ages? I yeah. don't recall. I think so. Yes, she yeah. does because she goes. She, I remember in Hero of Ages is when she goes. Is she thinks to herself that getting Breeze to sleep with her was a triumph? Yeah, like that. That's the thing. It's like, like, like she seduced him. Like definitely. Yeah. Like she used all of her emotional like knowledge to like crack that nut. Yeah, because he was always worried that he would. Mm-hmm. accidentally influence someone to be with mm-hmm. him so yeah she really had to get around the fact that like he was worried about that with her to begin with mm-hmm. which is I'm so interesting sure. because you have breeze who like avoids relationships because he doesn't trust himself to like let people have their free will 
which is a very interesting conflict with his whole philosophy he espouses in the final empire when he's like oh no you still have free will i'm just wearing a low-cut dress or you know like i just have an advantage um but it shows he does kind of know his power and is worried about infringing on people's free will with it in the romantic arena but then you have alrian who is blatantly doing exactly what Breeze is worried about doing to him. Um, and I'll rack the fact that he's worried about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, you like, there's almost more of an ethical thing from Alrianne's perspective yeah. is, is I mean, this a healthy relationship? If she's, they're both manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> creatures. And in the end, I think they kind of deserve each other on multiple levels, but mm. They're so cute. Like, <laughs> the relationship, yeah. But I do like seeing that crack into Ariane, how angry she gets during the execution and how, how much she just, she can't stand that these well, people are, are about to He has her. to tell her to knock it off at one point, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. That's oh, one yeah. of my favorite moments in their relationship <laughs> is when, like, is when Sazed starts getting mad and he hears Breeze go, Ariane, now's not the time. And he looks over and she's crying. And I just, I I love that Breeze says that and kind of understands her in that way and knows when she's pushing out and rioting. I love that moment. I, I think they work really well together. I like them together. I don't know. And yeah, I also, I definitely would agree that from the perspective of, is this relationship okay? All Rianne is not completely like she's she's not some child to be worried about here i would say i would yeah. say that both and of them are probably fine but if we're going to be looking at one we should look at the other as well anyway. and, and i'm not sure that Alrian has been a child for a very long time because she was raised in noble politics yeah. and I mean, I, i'm sure she was you know 14 going on 30 at one point well, and not even just noble politics, but with the dad like hers, you know, he, I mean, he comes across and he's very manipulative and he's very set in his ways and his thinking. Although my sense was Alrian always had set wrapped around her little finger. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. She knows how to manipulate her dad. I mean, yeah. and I'm sure the rioting helps, but and like, yeah. like. He does she, say, she like, hasn't she's... been young in a very long time, and I do not think she was a teenager in Well of Ascension. Yeah, and like Set mentions that like she's the first Alamancer born to their family like in centuries. So like that would have been a lot of pressure on her to like you. You have to use your abilities like to help the family. It's like you're the only one we have, like of the blood. What other relationships or characters? Speaking. Going on from kind of Breeze, a relationship that I don't think about very often, but that I very much liked this read-through, is one that, like, you don't generally think of as being, like, they're, they're not a couple, they're not together that often, but it's Breeze and Sazed, mm -hmm. and the conversations that they have about faith mm -hmm. and people and things like that. They had a few of them, and it kind and of makes me wish that they'd gotten, like, one more conversation after Sazed ascended, 
Mm-hmm. When, when he knew that he was okay, because Breeze definitely knew there was something wrong, and he oh was, yeah, he he was, he was like, helping not and not trolling him to try to figure out what it was, so he could try and fix it. But he never quite understood it. I think Spook got a lot closer to figuring it out. Another key relationship that we didn't get a lot this book, in my opinion, is Ham and Breeze. They're like, because yeah. Ham is what you lend the whole time. And oh, Ham, Ham adopting Set as his uh, annoying, yes. uh, annoyance target was just brilliant. He's like, yeah. oh, you can't move unless someone carries you out, right? Yeah. Well, and it's beautiful, like, characterization because the reactions of these two characters to everything are so dynamically different. And it's such a beautifully subtle way to represent characterization of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Bree's just, uh, okay, what do we have? Versus Seth that's like, if you talk, I swear to the Lord Ruler himself, I will murder you from this chair. And the funniest hand, thing, like, you won't. <laughs> yeah, and and the funniest thing is, if Breeze knew that Ham replaced him with Seth, he oh, would be like, I think a little heartbroken. <laughs> and and I, just later on, it'd be like, no, Ham would be like, no, no, he was a poor, poor substitute, and mostly yeah. I was doing it to annoy him. You, I think, yeah. secretly enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. And Reese would be like, of course I don't. You're an idiot or whatever. (laughs) Well, secretly enjoying it. Yeah. Um, Like, Ellen, like, has the observation to, like, because, like, he sees, like, Ham is kind of down for most of the book. Like, until, like, he he starts having those conversations with with Set. And, like, Ellen's like, oh, like, he he needs that. Like, like, he needs to be able to, like, bounce ideas. someone to annoy. Annoy them. But, like, I also love the scene where, like, Ham reaches a c- conclusion. Mm. Like, he stops asking the question. It's like, like, no, we sh- I, I, it's no, we shouldn't attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ham tends to fall into the background a bit mm-hmm. with the crew because he's kind of like, I love Ham. I'm a huge Ham fan, so don't take this the wrong way. He's, like, one mm-hmm. of my favorite crew members. He's a little bland. Like, he's a little, like, I'm the meat and potatoes guy who's, like, you know, just kind of a great all Luthadelian soldier guy who's doing my thing. I do like that he's still got some some moments this book, even if I'm sad that him and Breeze didn't really get their fun scenes together. And his wife survived, so that's yeah. that's yeah. good. Yeah, um, I would have been killed Ham's family after all this. Like, no, he deserves his happy ending. I mean, so did Vin and Ellen, but yeah. oh well. Although some people think their ending is happy, so yeah. I mean, at least they were they they, they were together in the end. At least yeah. for as far as we know from what Sazed told Spook at yes. this juncture in time. But also, like, Ellen basically being her champion. And it's, like, the fact that, like, she was able to get through him, like, through, like, their pure cre- um, pure connection, like, husband mm-hmm. and wife. Like, they're, like, just, like, ah, they're so good. I love them. Lock and key. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about Tensoon much. Yeah, I was just going to say, the 
like when you're talking last episode about missed connections, um, Tensoon and Vin never reuniting is like one of the more tear jerking things for me in this book. Yeah. Especially yeah, like means- when he's running, like he's the horse and he's like running to try to get there and he doesn't, doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and some of you who are watching this will eventually see us talk about this again because we did not film these in order. You'll understand later. (laughs) Um, But so, yeah, that was one of the things that really hits hard is that Tensoon tries so hard to get back to Vin and he never makes it. He never gets to see her again. And it's sad. Brandon has commented that like he tried to have them meet up again and it just didn't work in the story no. and it's just like sometimes it just doesn't it's that's one of the things that i love about it is because mm-hmm. it's kind of real world like you try and you yeah. try and you try but sometimes it just doesn't work out especially mm-hmm. when so much of this book is like providence working out having like the one or two moments where it doesn't i think are really important because it makes like having the Ten soon never gets back to Vin makes like the marsh just happening to know that thing he needs to know to be in the place of at the right time um, more satisfying. Ten soon never got to where he wanted to be, but he ended up where he needed to be. Yeah, yeah. Not a relationship, but a character that I was really impressed with on my reread this time was Yeoman and just how yeah. he fits as a villain, particularly compared to the other villains we've had in this series. Like we've had the Lord Ruler when he was big and scary and we knew nothing about him except that he was big and scary. And then we've had absolute worst person ever, Strathventure. But <laughs> Yeoman, I wouldn't say was a bad person. And no, not at all. He was—he was so almost down to earth, and mm-hmm. he just thought through things so clearly. And was just such an interesting villain because of it. He was just very different to who we've had already in this series. Yeah, you yeah. can't hate him because he's, you know, at the core, basically a good person trying to do what he thinks is right, which is usually what you get in real life. He's so realistic. Yeah, and like he's interesting because like he's the first character who is like a true believer in the Lord Ruler. Like, yeah, other people like, yeah, like he's God, but they they don't believe in him the way Yeoman did, which is like his like whole thing. Like Vin observes like, like you need me to like... Big, you need to figure out like my place in your theology. Like I killed the man you thought was God. He's he does think that Rashek is out there somewhere, but like he also is like, well, the survivor died, and people believe in him. Like, why is it so mm-hmm. strange that I still believe in yeah. the man who was our God for a thousand years? It's like, yeah, I I really love Yeoman as a character as well. Um, and I think he was really necessary in this book because the the villain, the main villain, Ruin, is this like cosmic force of destruction. Um, so I think having a very human villain and like one of the more human villains we've seen helped balance that a bit. Um, and he, Yeoman's like the first villain we've had where hypothetically 
you wouldn't need to fight. Like you could like mm-hmm. talk it out with Yeoman if you had the time and the world wasn't ending. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a good foil for Vil- Vin and Ellen in that he challenges their beliefs and makes them actually have to think through what they're doing. Yeah. Cool. Anyone else want to bring up anything? I have one minor character description thing. Apparently, Vin usually wears her hair in a ponytail. Like, this is something I've missed. Like, I don't think anybody does it in their fan art. I want to see Vin in a ponytail. I mean, it makes when she grows her hair after, I'm assuming after she grows her hair out. um, Yeah. but it makes sense because, like, if you're flying through the air at all these weird angles, you wouldn't want like a head full of hair, like, <laughs> yeah, flapping around in your to face. Be, to be fair, I think most fan art pictures her with shorter hair, and mm-hmm. most people don't think about her growing it out for two years. Yeah, after well, it's the like haircut. I don't think it's like it's longer her than her shoulders. Bone. It's just in her shoulders. Yeah. It's down to her collarbone, yeah, yeah. which is but, right like, here, still, and that is like plenty long enough to go back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's yeah. like, there's a line about how, like, she usually, that's her normal hairstyle. I'm like, I don't think, like, this has imprinted anyone's brain. No. Like, anybody who has read this has immediately forgotten that line. Fan well, artists take note. Ian wants to see more, more fan art accurate to the books. Yeah. I remember the first time I read this. I don't know why, but the aesthetic of like Vin's hair journey in the three books was really fun for me for some reason. Because she has like the cute like little cut with just the wings and the barrettes. And then book two, I think it's kind of like chin length-ish. Like how she's most commonly drawn, I think, is her book two hair length. And then book three, it's a little longer, kind of just down to the shoulders. Um, And I've always kind of liked that her hair levels up with (laughs) every book. One very minor thing, just like one line that I kind of want to go awe over. I don't think there'll be much discussion, but building off of last book, we talked about Marsh and Sazed's relationship. This book, there's just one line in an epigraph that's talking about like Hemlurgian Inquisitors and how like the Kandra could resist a little more because I didn't have as many spikes, but the Inquisitors couldn't. And Sazed goes, it would take a man of supreme will to resist even slightly. And the epigraph ends. And it's like, yep, I know what you're saying there. She had more spikes than any other Inquisitor. And he still did it. And even the the tie-in with that is when Marsh is first introduced, his, like stubborn like iron will is like one of his like key character attributes yeah there is going to be conversation because because like that made me think of something i've never considered that the reason why marsh got so many spikes because like maybe like um ruin just wanted to make sure like at least one inquisitor got all of the spikes got all of the abilities but like he got so much more probably because he's so strong-willed like ruin needed that many to be able to control him and and it also pleased ruin to use kelsier's brother as his primary tool i'm sure yeah. mm-hmm. although i'm not clear ruin had that much animus against kelsier cuz i think kelsier kind of slanted more towards ruin like during yeah, his it's- life I think for him, it would have been more of a symbology sort of thing. 
I, I think it's more like it has more to do with Vin and the fact that Vin knows Marsh, Marsh than yeah. it's a Kelsier connection. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Thank you for watching, everybody. You can find us at 17shard.com for your news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. You can leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, and also support us on Patreon. See you all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.